This week's Friday Five is all about how you build and sustain momentum. And I'm going to be pulling all of the quotes, all the excerpts, many of the ideas from today from a book. It's one of my favorite books. I've probably read it now 10 10 plus times. And it is Turning the Flywheel by Jim Collins. Now, I want to start with a little bit of background on Jim Collins and a little bit of background on what the flywheel effect is. So Jim Collins is fascinating. And a lot of people might recognize his name from books. And he's written many, many incredible books. I think they've sold more than 10 million copies uh, worldwide. They include Good to Great, Built to Last, How the Mighty Fall, and Great by Choice. Now, Turning the Flywheel is actually a monograph. So it's a completely separate book. It's a short book. And it was written to accompany Good to Great. Now, in Good to Great, Jim Collins introduces the idea of a flywheel effect. And I'll describe that in a second. Um, But he wanted to write basically a separate short book, which is Turning the Flywheel, which is just a deep dive on the concept of what a flywheel is, why it matters, and how it fits into this overarching framework. And before I talk about the flywheel effect, I just want to quickly talk about Jim Collins. The reason I think everyone should know Jim Collins and study Jim Collins is that he effectively spent, what, 25 years of his life doing rigorous research onto what makes companies uh, successful, what keeps them successful, and what makes, what basically prevents their downfall. You know, and and all of this is uh, basically a kind of response to all the data that suggests that the, you know, the number of companies that I think make it past 30 years is in the very low single digits. The number of companies that make it past 50 or 100 years is, you know, 0.00. You're getting into very, very, very small numbers. And so by default, most companies, you know, have an arc, they're successful if they're able to break out and get escape velocity, and they eventually fail. And so Jim Collins effectively did a bunch of deep dive research into one, what makes a company uh, get successful and stay successful, and then two, what prevents, basically prevents decay. Um, and the flywheel effect, I'm just going to read a little bit of a background. So in Good to Great, you know, Jim Collins introduced the concept of a flywheel, um, and then he wrote turning the, turning the Flywheel as a standalone monograph to dive deeper into the concept. Um, so here's a little bit of the history of the flywheel effect. This is taken as an excerpt from the book. In the autumn of 2001, just as Good to Great first hit the market, Amazon.com invited me to engage in a spirited debate with founder Jeff Bezos and a few members of his executive team. This was right in the middle of the dot-com bust when some wondered how or if Amazon could recover and prevail as a great company. I taught them about the flywheel effect that we'd uncovered in our research. In creating a good-to-great transformation, there's no single defining action. There's no grand program. There's no single killer innovation. There's no solitary lucky break, no miracle moment. Rather, it feels like turning a giant heavy flywheel. I'm going to stop for a second because this is important. What Jim Collins just said here is, you know, he spent... 25 plus years of his life researching great companies. And what he ended up finding is there is no single moment with which they become great. There's no stroke of luck. There's no, suddenly they have a killer product. It is literally a, a, uh, it is a, the repetition. It's the consistent disciplined execution of a strategy that makes this company successful over a long period of time. And that's what he refers to as this kind of giant heavy flywheel. Uh, Go back to the text. I want to finish it off. Pushing with great effort, you get the flywheel to inch forward. You keep pushing, and with persistent effort, you get the flywheel to complete one entire turn. You don't stop. You keep pushing. The flywheel moves a bit faster. Two turns, then four, then eight. The flywheel begins to build momentum. 16, 32, moving faster. 1,000, 10,000, 100,000. Then at some point, you reach breakthrough, which is escape velocity, and the flywheel flies forward with almost unstoppable momentum. Each turn builds upon previous work as you make a series of good decisions, supremely well executed, that compound one upon another. 
This is how you build greatness. So that is what a flywheel is. And I'll, I'll show you, you know, we're going to spend a little bit of time. I'm just going to show a quick graphic. Um, this is, it's, this for this episode, it's going to be really important that you view the show notes. So please make sure that you go and click into the show notes where you can see this graphic. But what a flywheel is, and we'll get into it, is effectively a company identifies not, you know, what are they going to do this year or what's the next big release? It's way, way, way bigger and more meta than that. A company identifies what its meta strategy is. This is something that they can execute for decades that will drive their business. So a good example of this would be take something like Vanguard, which offers low-cost mutual funds. This is an example we'll cover in a little bit. You know, Now, Vanguard, their strategy hasn't changed. Their strategy has been from day one, they're going to be the lowest-cost mutual fund provider, which means that the way they operate the company is incredibly, you know, it's, it's incredibly frugal. It means that as an investor, you get very low fees, which means, which is why they've, you know, basically sucked up so many assets over such a period of time. And, you know, and so, so if this is their core idea is that they are low cost by being low cost, they're going to be able to generate the best returns for investors because investors are going to save money on fees. That's going to attract more capital. That's going to help them basically be able to get economies of scale, which they can then take back and lower fees even more. Now that is a meta strategy. And that's something that whether we're talking about this year or five years from now, Vanguard will likely still be executing on that strategy. And so that's a flywheel. And the five ideas that we're going to talk about today that are all about building and sustaining momentum are number one, you need to define your flywheel and ensure that every step in it ignites and accelerates momentum. Number two, you need to build speed and momentum Number uh, to optimize the performance. Sorry, give me one sec here. To optimize the performance um, of every cog in the flywheel. Number three, you need to extend your flywheel. You have to fire bullets, then cannonballs to lower the risk inherent in big bets. Number four, you have to stay disciplined. Enduring momentum comes from disciplined thought and action. And number five, you have to avoid the doom loop. You have to stick to your flywheel and apply it consistently in good and bad times. Okay, give me one second here while I get my life in order. Um, okay, so let's move on to number one. Uh, and, and let's talk about this, this kind of um, what defining your flywheel is. So number one, this is the first lesson on building and sustaining momentum. To fly, define your, fly, your flywheel, ensure that every step in it ignites and accelerates momentum. Building momentum starts by defining your flywheel, the series of catalytic actions that compound upon one another. Think of your flywheel as the meta strategy for your business. It's bigger than any one product or launch. It's a coherent framework that defines what you're building and how it accrues value. For example, here's a look at Vanguard's flywheel. This is a quick excerpt from the book, and then we'll, I'll show you what Vanguard's uh, flywheel looks like. Bill McNabb, then CEO of the mutual fund giant Vanguard, brought his senior team to Boulder, which is where Jim Collins has one of his management, I think it's his only management workshop, in 2009. And they worked for two days to crystallize their flywheel, which I've sketched in a simplified flywheel diagram below. Notice how each component, let me see, pull this, it's Amazon's. Okay, here's Vanguard's. This is what Vanguard's flywheel looks like here. And I'll just quickly go around. So it's offer low, lower cost mutual funds, deliver superior long-term returns for clients, build strong client loyalty, grow assets under management, generate economies of scale, and then it loops all the way back around. And again, these this uh, you know revolves and it continues to build momentum. Okay. Um, notice how each component in Vanguard's flywheel isn't merely a next action 
step on a list, but almost an inevitable consequence of the step that came before it. Again, it's catalytic. They build on top of one another. Offering lower cost mutual funds will necess- will basically you know, uh, bring to life that they will deliver superior long-term returns for clients because they have lower fees than their competitors. So again, you know, each, each item in the flywheel catalyzes the following item that, that comes after it. If you offer lower cost mutual funds, you almost can't help but deliver superior long-term returns for investors relative to higher cost funds that invest in the same assets. And if you deliver superior returns to investors, you almost can't help but build client loyalty. And if you build strong client loyalty, you almost can't help but grow assets under management. And if you grow assets under management, you almost can't help but generate economies of scale. And if you increase economies of scale, you almost can't help but lower costs, um, but have lower costs that you can pass on to clients. The Vanguard case exemplifies a key aspect of how the best flywheels work. If you nail one component, you're propelled to the next component and the next and the next, almost like a chain reaction. In thinking about your own flywheel, it's absolutely vital that it, if, that it not be conceived as merely a list of static objectives that you've simply drawn in a circle. It must capture the essence that ignites and accelerates momentum. This intellectual discipline uh, required to get the sequence right can produce profound strategic insight. I love this next idea. As Robert Bergelman, Stanford GSB strategy professor, once said, the greatest danger in business and life lies not in outright failure, but in achieving success without understanding why you were successful in the first place. When you deeply understand the causal factors that ignite and propel your flywheel forward, you can avoid Bergelman's trap. So that's number one. Again, uh, number one was all about um, defining your flywheel, ensuring that every step in it ignites and accelerates momentum. And I want to pause for a second just to double click on like why flywheels are important, which is again, if you want to build and sustain momentum, you need to have something that's bigger than any one-off hit or success. You need to have a repeatable process. You need to have a clear strategy and, and a clear set of goals. And I think forcing yourself to sit down and think about your flywheel, you know, I can, I can write out my own personal flywheel you know, as a company, you can iterate what your company's flywheel looks like as a nonprofit organization, as a school. And there are many examples like this in the book. It's it's a universally applicable framework. But the reason it's so helpful is I just find very rare in life. Uh, you know, people spend, we all spend so much of our time focused on the day-to-day and the stuff that's near term, say, or, say this week, maybe, maybe this month, maybe the next couple of months. Um, you know, occasionally what the next year looks like, very rarely do we bubble up from that and really think about, you know, it's almost doing the thought experiment. What, what about what I'm doing or what about my strategy won't change over the next 10 years and articulating that in something that's very clear is just enormously helpful. Okay. Number two, now that you have your flywheel, let's, you need to build speed and momentum, which means you need to optimize the performance of every cog in your flywheel. So again, you think about a flywheel, you think, you know, think about it's a series of actions that'll lead to the next um, you know, I think another way to think about that is think of it as a gear. Each of those components is like a teeth that's meant to mesh into other gears. As such, every, you know, tooth e- either sustains or builds momentum or detracts from it. Meaning, you know, you're basically the, the um, how well executed that tooth is on the gear is going to determine whether, you know, you can flawlessly move past it or if you're stumbling and breaking and you know, slowing down. So flawless teeth build momentum while faulty teeth grind and slow momentum. And this may seem a little bit silly, but it'll make sense in a second. Once you get the flywheel right, the question becomes, what do we need to do to accelerate momentum? The very nature of a flywheel, that it depends upon getting this sequence right 
in that every component depends on all the other components means that you simply cannot falter on any primary component in sustained momentum. Think of it this way. Suppose you have, say, six components in your flywheel and your score, you score your performance in each from 1 to 10. What happens if your execution scores are 9, 10, 8, 3, 9, 10? So again, most of those are, are probably doing pretty well, but one of those was really clearly not doing well. It was scored a 3. What happens when, when, when you have that sort of a score? Well, the whole flywheel stalls. To regain momentum, you need to bring up that 3 up to at least an 8 or a 9. So again, you, you need to first construct your flywheel, think about each of those components. Then really the hard work is you need to uh, have disciplined, you know, kind of just fanatical execution of that flywheel and every component of that flywheel day in and day out. And that is where the magic starts to happen. So it's not just about having the right flywheel. It's about executing every component of that flywheel with discipline, consistently investing in and improving each and every component on it. Why? because they all feed into one another. So if one of those is not doing well, if you are turning a blind eye to one, if you're not investing in one, if you're not refining one, that's what's going to actually produce drag, even if you're doing well on all the other parts of the flywheel. Ultimately, your momentum depends upon the performance of every single component. Your goal is to get each component up to nine to 10 out of 10, and then to keep each component there day in and day out. That's how you get the full compounding effect of the flywheel. Okay, that's number two. Let's move on to number three. Number three is all about extending your flywheel, which is to say, you know, you, you started off with some sort of an idea of what your company's doing now in this meta strategy. Um, at, you know, at, at, uh, at a point in time in every company's, uh, you know, uh, history, you will need to then think about making big bets. And these big bets may be to, uh, you know, uh, increase your revenue. It may be to land new customers. And maybe you want to go into another industry you know, say a good example of this that's, that's relatively top of mind because we've been covering Steve Jobs is when Steve Jobs came back to, to, to Apple um, and he's looking at the product line and, you know, all of the computers are in desperate need of help. And he's certainly going to spend a lot of time updating their Macs and their computers, but he's also pretty soon after going to get into music, which is a completely weird tangential bet if you're just thinking about it strategically. But it, it makes brilliant sense. Number one, it's like you're diversifying revenue streams. Number two, you're going into a completely different category. So, so that is what we're talking about here. When you're extending your flywheel, you're taking a big bet. And so the idea here is you want to fire bullets, then cannonballs. We'll get to that concept in a second to lower the inherent risk of big bets. As you progress, you'll need to extend your flywheel by broadening the number of things you do and or the scale you do them at. Every extension of your flywheel carries inherent risk that you'll miss the mark, come up short, or fail somewhere in the process. As such, how you extend your flywheel, meaning how you basically mitigate the risk of taking bets, is incredibly important. I love Jim Collins' concept of firing bullets, then cannonballs, as a way to lower the inherent risk that comes with doing anything new and unproven. How do, good, how do great companies go about extending a flywheel? The answer lies in a concept I developed with my colleague Morton Hansen in our book, Great by Choice. Morton and I systematically studied small entrepreneurial companies that became 10x winners, basically beating out their industries by more than 10 times in terms of return to investors. Um, in highly tur turbulent industries, in contrast to less successful comparison cases in the same environment. So again, what would they do? They basically took a turbulent industry and they found the winners that were, these are like the fat tail winners. These, these, they, uh, produced a return to investor 10 times more than their peers. 
And they basically compared those firms with firms in the same environment, in the same industry that didn't do as well. And they found that both sets of companies made big bets, but with a huge difference. The big successes tended to make big bets after they'd empirically validated the bet would pay off. Whereas the less successful comparisons tended to make big bets without having empirical validation. We coined the concept fire bullets, then cannonballs to capture the difference. Okay, here's the idea. Imagine a hostile ship is bearing down on you. You have a limited amount of gunpowder. You take all your gunpowder and use it to fire a big cannonball. The cannonball flies out and splashes in the ocean, missing the oncoming ship. You turn to your stockpile and discover that you're out of gunpowder. You're in trouble. So that is effectively the example of the not successful companies. They did not de-risk these new big bets. They just loaded up a cannon uh, with a cannonball. They fired it and they were going to get one of two outcomes. Either it was going to be successful, it was going to be a failure. Um, there are much better ways to do that. Okay, so here's a counterexample. Now suppose instead that when you saw the ship bearing down on you, you take a little bit of gunpowder and you fire a tiny bullet. It misses by 40 degrees. You make another bullet and fire misses by 30 degrees. You take a third bullet and fire. Okay, now it only misses by 10 degrees. You're getting closer. The next bullet hits, ping, the hull of the oncoming ship. You now have empirical validation, a calibrated line of sight. Now you take all the remaining gunpowder and fire a big cannonball along the calibrated line of sight, which sinks the enemy ship. Some bullets, which are small bets, hit nothing, but some give enough empirical validation that the company then fires a cannonball, a big bet, providing a big burst of momentum. Okay, that was number three, all about extending your flywheel. Now let's talk about number four, which is about staying disciplined. Enduring momentum, so, so momentum that uh, you know lasts for years, for decades, comes from disciplined thought and action. Your flywheel, like a set of guardrails, should help you stay disciplined. It should help keep your thinking disciplined, ensuring that every action you take reinforces and accelerates your flywheel. Again, that flywheel can, can act almost like a screen that should tell you whether or not you should do the things that are on your list of potential ideas or potential projects or potential products. Um, and should help you say, say no and decide what not to do because it doesn't reinforce your flywheel. Unsurprisingly, an overarching theme of all of Jim Collins' research was the role of discipline in separating the great from the mediocre. An overarching theme across our research findings is the role of discipline in separating the great from the mediocre. True discipline requires the independence of thought to reject pressures to conform in ways incompatible with values, performance standards, and long-term aspirations. The only legitimate form of discipline is self-discipline. I'm going to say that again because I, I believe with this 1,000%. That's why I don't have a personal trainer. But I believe that if you want to get fit, you need to go to the gym and you have to do it yourself. The only legitimate form of discipline is self-discipline, having the inner will to do whatever it takes to create a great outcome, no matter how difficult. When you have disciplined people, you don't need hierarchy. When you have disciplined thought, you don't need bureaucracy. When you have disciplined action, you don't need excessive controls at your company. When you combine a culture of discipline with an ethic of entrepreneurship, you create a powerful mixture that correlates with great performance. To build an enduring great organization, whether in the business or social sectors, you need disciplined people who engage in disciplined thought and take disciplined action to produce superior results and make a distinctive impact on the world. Then you need the discipline to sustain momentum over a long period of time and to lay the foundations for lasting endurance. Okay, that's number four. Let's move on to number five. This is the final idea. So again, what did Jim Collins do? He studied what made uh, good companies great, and he also studied what basically made great companies fail and or what made great companies basically endure. 
And so this fifth idea falls into that latter bucket, and it's about avoiding what Jim Collins calls the doom loop. And, and so the, the principle here is you need to stick to your flywheel and apply it consistently in good and bad times. One of the most powerful side effects of having a clear strategic flywheel is that it gives you a center of gravity, a firm anchor, a fir sorry, a firm guide from which to make decisions. This is especially critical in turbulent times when it's easier than ever to operate from a place of fear and lose the disciplined approach that makes companies successful in the first place. Jim Collins described how Amazon stuck to their flywheel during the dot-com bust. Oh, also Jim Collins worked with Jeff Bezos to come up with this flywheel for Amazon. Um, but he was also, the, he worked with them during the dot-com bust. And so we got to see uh, not only how the flywheel helped them start to, you know, build Amazon from the various early foundations and innings, but also how it helped them navigate an incredibly tumultuous time for them. Bezos and his team could have panicked during the dot-com bust, abandoned the flywheel, and succumbed to what I describe in good to great as the doom loop. When, I, uh, when caught in the doom loop, companies react to disappointing results without discipline, grasping for a new savior, program, fad, event, or direction, only to experience more disappointment. Instead, Amazon committed fully to its flywheel and then innovated aggressively within that flywheel to build and accelerate momentum. Over time, Amazon would renew and extend the flywheel far beyond the simple e-commerce website that it started as, and it would enhance the flywheel with new technology accelerators such as machine learning. But throughout, the underlying flywheel architecture remained largely intact, creating a customer value compounding machine that many of the greatest companies in the world came to fear. Once you've defined your flywheel, stay disciplined to create a customer value compounding machine, especially in volatile and turbulent times. Those are my five lessons this week on building and sustaining momentum. Again, that all came from Turning the Flywheel, Why Some Companies Build Momentum and Others Don't by Jim Collins. Um, you know, since learning about the flywheel effect, I've now helped many of the companies that we've invested in at Ligature figure out what their flywheel is. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a concept that I find almost no one has heard of, and yet it's one of the most helpful concepts I've ever come across. Um, so I highly encourage you to read the book. I highly encourage you to go and read the book summary. And again, you can sign up and get Friday Five delivered for free in your inbox every single week at newsletter.outlieracademy.com. You can also listen to this as a podcast episode. You can watch the video on YouTube. Um, to learn more, just go to outlieracademy.com. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week.